You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Critic, he has seen the uh, last dance. It's not the Jordan documentary, by the way. It's being, everybody talks about it, the Jordan documentary. It's about the team. Phil Jackson came up with the title, The Last Dance, because this was the last dance for that team. But this is being portrayed as it's the Jordan documentary. We're going to tune in because Mike is prominently featured, and rightfully so. But it's known as The Last Dance. It's on that last year with the Chicago Bulls. So Richard Roper, who uh, has seen all 10 episodes, he'll join us coming up a little bit later on. Normally in the weeks and days leading up to the NFL draft, you have certain quarterbacks who move up in mock drafts. Now, that doesn't mean they move up on the real team draft boards. It's a mock draft. And until that's why you're seeing some players move up and move down, because now journalists are hearing from the people who actually have to make these decisions. This is their job. And that's why we sometimes look at a player and go, what's wrong with him? He's dropping. Maybe he wasn't supposed to be up there in the first place. But the media is catching up with some of the opinions here. Think of Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky, and Baker Mayfield. Those were guys who were lower in the mock drafts. And that was right up until reports leaked on how high they were going to go. This week, there's a trend in the mock draft world. All of a sudden, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert has moved ahead of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Dun-dun. So... Now we're looking him at number five with the Miami Dolphins. I told you this a couple of days ago. A source said Tua could go three or 23 because of the medicals here. Maybe Herbert and Tua are going to be stars and they're going to be you know, worthy of being drafted in the top five or top six or top seven. Maybe Utah State's Jordan Love will go high. In about a week, we're going to find out if the mock drafts were onto something or maybe... There's an even bigger quarterback surprise coming in the 2020 NFL draft. I spent some time yesterday because Lord knows I had plenty of time yesterday to not do anything. And I reached out to two sources and I said, help me understand Nick Saban's role with Tua, because there are a lot of NFL people who trust Nick Saban. This is what I got back. As important as the medical is for Tua, it's critical what Nick Saban tells people in the league he trusts, and that will be almost as critical. He's going to use the analogy of Drew Brees when he was in Miami. Injury concerns, Nick Saban passed on him and signed Dante Culpepper. Tua isn't the first Alabama player who has had medical questions going into the NFL draft The uh, source said they practice so hard that after three years, they're beat up. That's what they're trying to weigh here. And if you can't interview him, I can't work him out. I can't have my medical staff look at him and examine him. That's why Tua is such a risk. If he's healthy, I think he's right on par with Joe Burrow. I like how we go, well, Tua has two great receivers. They're going to be taken probably in the top 20. Did you see who Joe Burrow was throwing to this year? See, you can't. And then I'll get this. Hey, Jordan Love had a bad year this year, but what about last year? And then you'll get people saying, yeah, that was last year, the previous season, but this season he wasn't good at all. Well, he had a depleted offense, and the previous year he had a pretty good offense. And then I'll go, well, wait, Joe Burrow didn't have a great junior year, but we're not going to factor that in, but we're going to factor in what he did this past year. 
See, that's where it gets into this game of semantics. And it's dangerous because you can talk yourself into somebody and talk yourself out of somebody. I think the real drama, like the, if anybody trades, then great. But if you look at this, Chase Young goes second, Burrow's going first. And then does Detroit do anything? And then I reached out to a source, uh, you know, who has connections with Detroit. And I said, hey, do you think it's crazy what I'm saying? He goes, no, I heard what you said about if you're Detroit and you're sold on Tua. Like Jeff Akuda is a defensive back from Ohio State. Okay, he's, he's a really good player. But now there's starting to be a little bit of discussion. Is he the best defensive back? I, I don't, do I want, if it, it's Darrell Rivas, great. But I don't know if I'm, I'm missing on something that is going to allow us to build something bigger in the future. And my source said, this staff has to win this year. That's the reason why they would stay with Stafford. Now, if you said Matt Patricia was just joining them, like he was Mike McCarthy going to the Cowboys, then you could go, you know what? Maybe this is the last year with Stafford. We see what we have here. Uh, you know, are we going to be a playoff team? And you draft Tua because now I get the rookie deal. Now I can maybe get something Matthew Stafford. You know, maybe I could I could start to shape my team a little bit better like that. Uh, I also reached out to a source with Cincinnati, you know ties to Cincinnati. Said what happens to Andy Dalton? And he said when they draft Burrow, I think they're cutting Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton is going to be thrown into the mix with Cam Newton. What will happen with Dalton and Cam Newton, and even Jameis Winston is, after training camp, if there is a training camp, after training camp, somebody will sign them, but probably not leading up to you know, training camp. That's probably what's going to happen. You know, you're going to have coaches going in and go, okay, we've had the draft, free agency, and if somebody gets injured or we don't like what we're seeing, then you're going to have somebody come in. I also I was busy yesterday. Uh, here was another one that might surprise you because I was curious about. Uh, let me see. We talked about Detroit. Detroit playing hardball, squeezing teams. This is a do or die year for the staff. Have the feeling the Chargers are going to sit if a quarterback drops to them. Uh, if not, their coach believes in Tyrod Taylor. Um. I had one on Jalen Hurts here. Let me see if I have this. Trying to keep to... Okay. One possibility is Jalen Hurts, Carolina. Now, stay with me. You got Teddy for two years. Their quarterback coach was with him at Alabama. Matt Rule, 0-2 against Jalen Hurts last year when Oklahoma played Baylor. That's his head coach. Offensive, quarter, uh, offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, was in New Orleans with Taysom Hill. So you might get a package-like quarterback with Jalen Hurts going to Carolina to back up Teddy Bridgewater. So just some of the items that I had yesterday. I was busy. I was busy yesterday going back and forth trying to find out. And once again, the more I know, the less I know. Like I... You know, I watched Justin Herbert, and, and some of the descriptions on Jalen Hurt, uh, uh, Justin Herbert are he's not a leader. He's not demonstrative. You know, he doesn't speak up. He's done, like he's un, unfailingly polite. And I went, gosh, is it is he like Eli Manning? Unfailingly polite. That's a negative. 
He doesn't have the swag that Joe Burrow. I got that one yesterday. I said, okay, but does Justin Herbert check a lot of boxes here? Oh, yeah. Now, I, sometimes you look at swag and you go, he's got too much swag. Like Joe Burrow borders on too much swag. When you meet him, boom, it's right there. <laughs> but when, you, when you're playing well and winning a national title and throwing 60 touchdown passes, yeah, we love that swag. Yeah, Paul. If Justin Herbert becomes a star, he's cool, he's calm, he's unflappable. Yeah. When you're you're unflappable when you're a good quarterback who's low key. <laughs> you're uh pulseless when you're uh Jay Cutler and you're not and you're seven and nine. Yeah. Well, you know, we had that problem with uh you know, guys who weren't demonstrative. You know, Jay Cutler doesn't care. Yeah, look at him, he's there's no fire. I mean, Phillip Rivers cared as much as any quarterback. He didn't win anything. Joe Montana unflappable. Right? <laughs> Joe Montana, calm. Yes, McLovin. Andy Dalton's not signing till August? What? I can't handle this. And Cam Newton and Jameis Winston or whatever that training camp date is? I think that's, that's crazy. Yes, that's that's what I was told. That you're, you know, this offseason is going to really hurt some of these players, including these quarterbacks, but it's going to be after training camp where one of these guys or all of them will be signed by somebody. But I was told, because I said, Andy Dalton makes a lot of sense to still have him on the roster. And uh, a source said, you know, when they draft Burrow, they'll probably cut Andy Dalton. And I was like, all right. Uh, poll question, McLevin, what do you have for me? Okay, uh, you're talking about quarterbacks. If I gave you an over-under of two and a half quarterbacks in the top five, would you go over or under? So that means would three be drafted in the top five? Would two be drafted in the top five? Obviously, with um, Burrow going number one, so it's a Herbert Tua question. Do they are they gone by Miami? So I have to get somebody to trade up because if you trade up, why isn't anybody trading up to ask about Chase Young? I, I, like I'm just curious. It's only the quarterbacks. I got I got Chase Young, who is once in a generation. I'm told edge rusher. I haven't heard anybody say, "Hey, are the Redskins open for business for Chase Young?" Like I got, I, that surprises me. Chase Young is considered the best player in the draft, and I've not heard one scenario where somebody goes, you know, that, I wouldn't be surprised if they go up and get Chase Young. Like it, when we look at a guy who disrupts a game, it's your quarterback and your edge rusher. Those are the two guys. It feels like are the most important people on the field, and we're going to go trade up for Justin Herbert. We don't know how good he is. But Chase Young's the best guy in the draft. That guy's once in a generation. Nobody trading up to get Chase Young. I find that interesting. What else do you have, McLevin? I would go, I'll go under on the two and a half. I'll I'll say that we have two quarterbacks top five. I saw another question. Three and a half is the over-under in the top 12, meaning does Jordan Love Mm. go in the top 12? I don't know what, seems like that changes day to day. I don't know what you're hearing. And it feels like the Raiders are really interested in Jordan Love. And Mel Kuyper, obviously I trust Mel Kuyper, draft expert, but are the Raiders already with Mariota and Carr then going to use a first-round draft pick on Jordan Love? Uh, This is, okay, so I asked about this with the Raiders, and I couldn't get anybody who covers the Raiders or involved in the Raiders. And I said, well, if you're the Raiders, would you go after Jordan Love? And the scenario that was set up for me is 
the Broncos look like they have their quarterback. The Chiefs obviously have their quarterback. And the Chargers might be drafting Tua or Justin Herbert. So I'm talking about teams in that division. Are the Raiders comfortable with Derek Carr as their quarterback to match those other quarterbacks? And is Jordan Love going to be a Patrick Mahomes type player? You know, talent wise. Because not, not everybody was sold on Patrick Mahomes. Let's not kid anybody. Andy Reid saw it, pounced on it, and we know that, you know, the rest is history. Is Jordan Love going to be that kind of player? Because if you watch Patrick Mahomes play, and yes, I did because I have nothing to do in my life, he was incredibly athletic, made all the throws, but I had no idea how it would translate to the NFL because it looked like he was trying to be Brett Favre, and he was just vamping out there. It was like backyard football in the Big 12, and I go – I don't know if he can play in the NFL, but damn, he's exciting in, in college football here. Jordan Love may be that guy. So, once again, we talk ourselves into a pick and out of a pick. Somebody is going to pass on somebody, and that goes back to what I said about Tua on Monday. The fear of taking him and the fear of not taking him. That's going to be a big dilemma. Yeah, McLovin. I also saw a lot of Jordan Love to the Patriots, like the Patriots yeah. are interested in. How would anyone know what the Patriots are interested in? That's why I was wondering. That's the one team you can't predict. We don't know. We, we speculate, but we don't know. Because Bill Belichick doesn't tell anybody anything. And why would you tell somebody unless I want to mislead you? That's really when the information gets out. And the only reason why I get information is, you know, scouts talk. Coaches don't talk. GMs don't talk. Scouts talk amongst themselves. Hey, what do you think about this guy? Why? Yeah, you know, we're kind of leaning towards maybe we're going to take, uh, you know, the wide receiver out of Arizona State. And I go, oh, all right. I, that's how it works. They want to know what you know and, and, you know, what, you know, but it's only a cluster of these guys because they have to trust each other. I'll share information with you. We're not interested in that guy. Now, that's the interesting part of all of this. It's the deception that still continues and will lead up till probably a week from today where maybe you start to get real information on what's happened. Do I think the Dolphins are going, remember the Dolphins were all in on Joe Burrow. They were tanking for Tua. Now I'm hearing Justin Herbert. Some of it's BS and maybe all of it is. Yes, Paul. I, I love how the teams try to hide. If you, There's a, a thing a few years ago, they had a documentary about the draft where they look back. The draft where I think the Jaguars take Blake Bortles in the three spot. Yeah. They didn't interview him. They nope. didn't call him. They didn't invite him down for a workout, which was really crazy to not do that due diligence. But they were trying to hide him. They were trying to hide their interest in him so they could just grab him. Uh, any other poll questions, McLovin? Yeah, so Kirk Cousins said it's refreshing not to play in front of fans or will be refreshing. And you know why? And so he doesn't get yelled at. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I get refreshing. No. So nobody yells at me or picks on me. That's the only what? other. What, what other reason would you say it's refreshing? I was wondering uh, if you asked a poll, if you're an NFL player, are you comfortable playing without fans? What do you think they would say? They just want to play. That's all. They do. If you said you guys can come back, no fans, or you can't come back. What are they going to say? They want to come back. Seton, how are you this morning? I'm great. 
I'm a, I'm listening to you talk about fans though, and I just keep thinking of LeBron, who for some reason seems to be the one hardliner of like I'm not playing if there's no fans. Yeah, you know, that, like I I think he's trying to do sort of like this populist thing, like hey, I'm here for the fans, but is just slightly off with it. Yeah. Um, I think he but, walked yeah. that back a little bit, and rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, I think he had to walk that one back a little bit. Hey, LeBron, do you want to play and maybe win a title, or you can't play? Not if there's no fans in the crowd, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes, McLovin. But is it Kirk Cousins going too far to say it's refreshing to have no fans? Like, is it somewhere in the middle between Kirk Cousins and LeBron a better place? <laughs> but, yeah, but you got to think of Kirk Cousins and how he plays. <laughs> like, his career. Ah, too soon. The fans haven't always been on his side. Yes. <laughs> So when, when he yells at you like that, and then it echoes in the, in the stadium, like you like that, like that, like that, like that, like that, like that, like that. Yes. Hey, Todd, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's great to see everybody. What do you got maybe on fan, today? What, what maybe year? The fans can, maybe the fans can come, uh, not come to those prime time games and just show up to the daytime games. Thank you, Todd. What do you got on today? I'm wearing an old school Houston Astros Kind of a training camp, spring training, nice. you know, batting practice type jersey. Everything you have is old school or old. I, I, I'm still living in the 70s and 80s. We know I that. know. I was watching Rocky. I sent you guys a note. No response from anybody, of course. But he was fighting Mason the Lion Dixon. Okay, if you but you know it. why I didn't respond? Because it's not a real fight. It's a movie. No. And you, you're tired of all my texts. No. You were watching. Well, yes, else. I am tired of all your texts. <laughs> Because when you bring it up, or I bring it up then to you, then you go into your impersonations. I do do that. So that's, I, I wasn't going to do that in a text. I wasn't going to like call you. I know, but you would do. You want to do that now? You want to do Rocky's trainer, but you can't do it today. I can't. And no, I'm you can't. To, I'm concerned to send you more than like two texts in a half hour period because then you give me a please stop and a, a prayer emoji. And well, you, but, but you do play by play of something that happened 30 years ago. I know. I was excited. I was trying to share a moment with you. About a Red Jim, Sox Ru- Jim Rice coming to the plate. I go, it's 1978. I know how was, this ends. I know, but it was the Bucky Dead game and I was just sharing you, what Tom. I was watching and I was having a moment with you. I was trying to have a moment with you. We don't I need to have moments. moments. We have so many moments. We don't okay. need any more. 18 years of moments. Yeah, we we don't. We're good on. I have more moments with you than my wife. Probably, yeah. <sighs> yes, Paul. Todd has this dark jersey on today and a dark hat and dark headphones, and there's a dark background behind him. He looks like this big floating <laughs> head levitating. in the room. It's just a floating head <laughs> with the same look on it for three hours. Yeah, and you don't blink. I don't blink. Yeah, the, the chat row notices you don't I'm blink. I'm very wide-eyed and uh, yeah. must be the prednisone. I don't know. I rarely <laughs> blink and I don't sleep. I've just I've been up since like 3 in the morning. Well, it's great to have you, though. It's good to be here. Uh, let me see. We're going to have uh, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. I saw we're starting to cancel some sports. Not, not postpone anything. We're canceling some of these secondary sports. These are budget moves. These are preemptive strikes here. Also, you know, Pete covers uh, college football for Yahoo Sports. And I want to ask him about what Chris Fowler was talking about yesterday. And that is expanding the playoffs. Because if you're looking at revenue for these conferences to have the trickle down for some of these other sports to survive, maybe you go from four to 16 teams. So we'll talk to uh, Pete. He'll join us coming up. Uh, Steve Kerr a little bit later on. Richard Roper, the Chicago Sun-Times movie critic, will join us as well as he uh, reviews The Last Dance, the so-called Jordan documentary. We'll take a break here. 
22 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. A uh, tweet yesterday where Andy Dalton was in his backyard and he had his two little kids with him. And uh, he was thrown to a net it looked like about 25 yards downfield. And McLevin, you want to tell people what you put in that tweet? Oh, he had these two little kids in front of him. I'm like, oh, wow, Andy Dalton's already working out with the Patriots wide receivers. <laughs> and I said, that's a shot at our friend Julian Edelman. And Andy Dalton's your buddy. No, I, Dalton looked great in the video. Everyone was commenting like, whoa, we got to get him in camp. Do you see that arm? And my other joke that I did write, by the way, is those two little kids, actually, it's finally he gets some uh, better O-line than Cincinnati. Wow, man. But I didn't put that. Yeah, you I didn't. didn't. But you thought it. I did think it, and Joe Burrow might want to. I, I thought it was really warning. I thought it was really funny that you get yeah, those people, undersized white wide receivers for the Patriots, and Andy had his two sons out there. That was well done, Andy. Well by the way. Dalton looked pretty good, right? Can we judge anything on a backyard video? He threw two passes into a net. Yeah, but he hit the net. Somebody, what did the Dan I don't know what, he, I, But I don't know what happened the other 40 passes he threw. Did he, like, throw it in the neighbor's yard? Did he, you know, hit the mailman? Like, we don't know. That. He, he edited it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you're right. Andy Dalton wouldn't do something like that. I mentioned Jalen Hurts as a possible landing spot being Caroline, according to a source, because of the connections. A lot of times, that's why when Philip Rivers, when I was told at the Super Bowl, Philip Rivers looked for him to go to the Colts, there was a connection with the coaching staff there. The same with Jalen Hurts in Carolina. There's a connection with the coaching staff there. And the fact that Matt Rule coached against him twice last year at Baylor and lost both time to Jalen Hurts, and you've got a, your offensive coordinator was the quarterback's coach at Alabama. And also he was in New Orleans with Taysom Hill. Then maybe you're looking at that possibility of that's that's your next quarterback in waiting with Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. All right. We'll get to phone calls coming up. 877-3DP show. By the way, Jalen Hurts player comp game. Ooh. Okay. Hold on. All right. All right. So if I looked at NFL.com. This is no, this is now NFL.com will throw that out there. You have to guess. Oh, oh, oh man, <laughs> I don't know where to go here. Um, in some ways, very much so. He's very well liked in some ways, and some ways, not at all. More of a comparison on the field or off? I think you're going down the right path, Cena Connor. <laughs> Use the word path as a hint. I'm Gotta follow you, the path of righteousness. I'm showing you the light, if you yes. know what I mean. Todd, you want to guess? I was thinking Bridgewater, but it sounds like more of a religious type of uh, person. Bridgewater is not a running quarterback. No. Dan, your final answer? Kyler Murray. NFL.com player comp for Jalen Hurts. Timothy Tebow. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not even making that up. Come but on. Like Tebow, Hurts is a winning dual threat quarterback known for his strength, toughness, and character. Throw a little character in there. But wait, Tebow wasn't a good pro. And Hurts have never done circumcisions. I confirm <laughs> that. Are you sure? Yes, I confirm that. Because you know what? It hurts. Tebow. Thank you. All right. Um, 
we'll change change course here with uh, Pete Thamel, who joins us, the uh, National College Football Basketball reporter for Yahoo Sports. What do you think of Jalen Hurts? I, I like Jalen Hurts. The uh, best piece of draft analysis I saw on Twitter on Jalen, so it had to be true, was that uh, a lot of people <laughs> haven't picked for Baltimore. So you can back up Lamar, and they can have a backup in their offense. Mm. You know, you can have Drew Bledsoe back up Lamar Jackson, right? You you need someone who can uh, of a similar skill set. And I'm not necessarily comparing them because I think Lamar, in terms of quick twitch, is uh, certainly in his own stratosphere. Um, ultimately, on Jalen, I don't think he's an NFL starter at the end of the day. Like he will start NFL games, but I don't think he's a. He's a guy a franchise will take as their stuff. Paulie, would you steal Pete's comp and then we'll use that and not give him any credit? Absolutely. That's okay. our tradition. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, th- I stole it too, so oh. we're, we're passing it along here. Yeah. Welcome to this business. We don't give credit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A couple of things here. I saw where you were reporting that um, a couple of sports have been uh, canceled. Cincinnati with soccer, Old Dominion with wrestling. And I know that those don't garner headlines, but this is just the start, it feels like, of the trickle down. That's a preemptive strike to cancel these programs. And we haven't lost any income yet with these college football programs. So why now and how bad do you think this is going to get for the secondary sports based off of maybe no college football for a little while? I think we're certainly set up for uh, what well, one source told me, Dan, I thought it was, well, it was a, it was a reset. Um, the, the collegiate athletics model is completely upside down. Um, when you look at essentially one sport, two sports at some places, you know, providing, I mean, some places have over 30 sports. Uh, Someone told me yesterday there was a max school with uh, 21. I think UConn has 26. So when you have one or two sports providing all of the money for another, you know, at least 14, but in some cases over 20, it's just not a tenable long-term financial model. And I think financially, athletic directors always look at the bottom line. I mean, Cincinnati, once they pay off the scholarships and the, in the, in the, the remaining staff, is going to save eight hundred thousand dollars a year. So it's eight million dollars over uh, over a decade. It's, yeah. it's a lot of it's a lot of money. And certainly, I don't want to sound cold hearted when I'm talking about this because I'm talking about business decisions and these are lives and you know people people's just teams are just ripped up and it's it's a, it's a difficult decision to make. And uh, one AD uh, who I called put it to put it to me this way. He said uh, he used the old Winston Churchill quote: uh, "Never waste a good crisis." So. I don't think people woke up and, and all of a sudden were like, man, maybe we should cut sports. I think people had been looking at it on their budgets for a long time. And this set of unique financial circumstances that we're going to come under because of coronavirus is going to allow them to do what they probably already uh, already wanted. Um, e- even to me, Dan, in the best cases, right, like say September 5th, there's – uh, you know, a hundred thousand in the uh, in the horseshoe for Bowling Green and et cetera, everywhere around the country. Right now, I don't see that as particularly realistic. But you know, even if that happens, you're looking at donors who 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 are staring at a at a twenty percent dip in their portfolio. You're, you're looking at you know people maybe don't want to go back to sporting events. Like you're 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 looking at at a minimum. When I talk to ads, in the best case scenarios, they're looking at maybe have to account for a for a twenty percent dip in their budget. So you, you need places to to save money. And and if there is no football, I mean that's when all bet, that's when all bets are off. 
I'm also wondering about how this helps the economy if we do have sporting events, but we don't have fans going to the sporting events. Well, my thought on college is that you have to look at it different than the uh, than the, than the NFL, the NBA, and the, and the NHL. Uh, I'm very confident, and I wrote this two two three weeks ago. If there is no college, there will be no college sports. And I had a lot of you know Bob Bowlesby told me that uh, you know people have, people you know athletic directors all around the country have kind of said that. So no classes, so, uh, no 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 sports. Correct. Okay. If you can't bring students back to campus. You can't have a football team go play. Unless um, you stop calling them student-athletes and you just call them athletes, athletic correct. students. And yes, and that, would be, and that would just be a whole thing. So I don't know how college football could thread the needle of, well, it's safe for students to come to campus, it's safe for athletes to come to campus, but it's not safe to have visitors in a stadium. That, I think the percentage chance for – College football with no fans is very low. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's much more realistic. You know, you have NBA games in Vegas or on a cruise ship or whatever they're talking about, or even um, the, the NFL. Uh, Dan Wetzel wrote this two weeks ago. Would be the hardest one to do all this because you got to, you know, you can you can throw the NBA in the NHL in a metaphorical Dakota. It's hard to do that with the NFL. It's just such a big, looming operation to to, to move 32 teams to one play. It would just be a logistical nightmare. So, but for for college football. I'd be stunned if we had if we had games without fans. You take a look at the the Floridas, the Ohio States, the you know your 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 big big programs. You're talking about fifty million dollars in ticket revenue alone. So it's it's a it's a huge and, and certainly the TV revenue um, is is as much for those you know for the Big Tens and the SECs. Um, it's in that it's in that forty million dollar neighborhood, but. I, I have a hard time imagining that from a liability standpoint because, you know, you're going to have the, the, the complicating part with college, too. And we're seeing this with Governor Newsom and maybe his projections not being as optimistic as President Trump's uh, projections in, in college. Like there's municipalities, there's mayors, there's college presidents like. I mean, if there's one thing about college athletics, it's 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 from a leadership perspective, <laughs> it's very fraught, you know, yes. and it's and it's and it's very it's very different. Yeah, that's the problem. There's, I, and when I talked to Chris Fowler yesterday, he said there's no singular voice here. Uh, like you oh, have yeah. commissioners in other sports. I'll leave you with this. I talked to Fowler about this, that you have four teams in the, uh, in the playoffs. Can you extend that and make it 16? Can you, can you break that contract to make it 16? Therefore, we have more revenue. And then maybe by the end of the year, we can have football where we have fans in the stands. Or I, I, I don't know if that... Chris said everything's on the table. Do you think we could get yeah. to 16 playoff teams? Well, I wrote this week that I think the playoff will change to accommodate finances, you know, in this crisis. Like, in terms of, in terms of new revenue streams, that's one of the few certain ones that they could make. Yeah. Um, in calling around to, to, to people tied to the college football playoff, the notion of changing it this year was, like, way off the table. They were like, and even next year, um, just because of the – the different bulls it's tied to, the different logistics. Now, look, we're, you know, they're going to be the, you know, all, all sports officials are going to be the goalie standing on their head, right? Trying to figure out how, how to get sports and, uh, and land the plane here. But I, I would be pretty surprised if they could just rip up a billion dollar contract. I mean, there's six years left on that 12 year deal. And when you, when you really dive into it, there's just a lot of, uh, 
and, and, and look, does ESPN have the money right now to just rip up the six most profitable years on a contract to, uh, to, to expand the thing? I, I don't think that's, that's a no-brainer either like it would be in, in better times. So I do think the playoff does expand. I, I think the earliest we could see it, Dan, is two years from now. And I'd imagine we go to eight from there. Pete, good to talk to you. We appreciate you uh, joining us as always. Dan, thanks for your time. That's uh, Pete Thamel, National College Football Basketball Reporter for Yahoo Sports. He has a quote in his column, I think now that Cincinnati just did it, they got rid of uh, soccer. Watch the next month, said another athletic director from an uh, FBS school. They cleared the way for other people to do it. Cincinnati puts it on a different level. Play of the day is up next. Your phone calls as well. We'll settle on our uh, poll question as well after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Todd Gurley took the number 21 with the Falcons. He wore number three in college. He wore 30 with the Rams. He goes to the Falcons. Deion Sanders says to him, don't take 21. And so he takes 21. Now, Todd Gurley had this to say about the conversation or the comments from Deion Sanders. Did you talk to Deion? He going to let you rock 21? Hey, man, Prime. <laughs> Prime was hating on me. He told me, he told me don't wear it. Really? Why did he say that? Because <laughs> it's Prime. If I was Prime, I wouldn't want nobody wearing my number E. Okay. I think that's uh, the program is called The Midday Show. What I don't understand is, and, and maybe they did ask him, I, like the obvious question is, why are you picking 21? You have no ties to it. Is, is he doing it as a tribute, an homage to Dion? Dion was in Atlanta for five years, by the way. Other players who have worn number 21 since Dion left, Eric Metcalf, Elijah Williams, Darian Gordon, Juran Bolden, D'Angelo Hall, Chris Owens, Desmond Trufant, Dion, chill. At least you got a really good player wearing it and a Georgia native wearing it. They didn't retire it. Dion probably feels the whole league should retire 21 for him. But can we ask? Can, can somebody ask Todd Gurley? Hey, why did you pick 21 since you have no ties to it? And Paulie said, do you think Dion's really mad? I go, yes. Yeah, that's Dion. <laughs> like, Dion, I think, realized the, the reaction he was getting. Like, Dion, chill, dude. And then he was like, I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't think Dion was joking. I don't think, for some reason, did he say this about Desmond Trufant? Hey, don't wear 21. Like, why Todd Gurley? Yeah, Paulie. Uh According to the NFL.com, uh, the Raiders, Falcons, and Cowboys traditionally don't retire numbers. They have rings of honor, but they don't really retire numbers. Well, the Falcons don't have any good players. <laughs> like Tommy Nobis? William Andrews? Steve Bartkowski? Like, who are you retiring? I mean, Dion, okay, yeah, if you want to. Uh, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, if you want to get around to that. But prior to that, Harmon Wages? Like, who are you retiring? Yeah. Yes, McLovin. What about that Jamal Anderson Super Bowl team? Who was good on that team besides him? I can't remember. Was it Chris Chandler? The Chris Chandler, the quarterback. Uh, Eugene Robinson. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that didn't go well. 
uh, on and off the field. Uh, uh, other other Falcons uh, yeah. googling. Uh, click 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 click. Yeah. There's not a lot of great Falcons that you're going to have a ring of honor. No offense. Yeah, like you, you'd have a a ring of honor and be one name maybe. Well, they're eventually going to get around to a couple more. A kiosk of honor, maybe like a little <laughs> as you walk in. There's a little three ply thing with three numbers. <sighs> the Dak Prescott situation, you know, Dak didn't apologize. Dak clarified about having a party at, at his place. It was a dinner party. Now, he says that it was, uh, he was disappointed in the report. Very frustrating, disappointing. That sounds like what Tony Romo says. Very frustrating, frustrating disappointing. disappointing. When people provide completely inaccurate information from anonymous sources, especially now. Now, this came from TMZ. And as much as you want to discredit TMZ, TMZ is one of the few places actually doing journalism or at least investigative reporting. They actually do. I don't know how they get all their information, but hey, they get their information and I would trust them in this situation. I don't know how many people Dak had over there. I'm guessing he had more than 10. And you know why? Because I looked at the spread. Look at the amount of food and tell me that's for 10 people. Now, if your offensive lineman came over, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have that much food. But he wants to tell me that he only had 10 people or less than 10 people. And Zeke Elliott was there with him. It's not a good look there. It's not. Yes, he. I get the feeling, though, that Zeke Elliott could eat more than just his share. Wow. He looks like he has eaten more than his share. He looks share. like a fellow who could put away some, some food. And if you're going to have a party... And you know, during this time, you just say to everybody, I want your cell phones here. Let's make sure we don't do any social media. This is just a party I want to have for, you know, close friend, whatever it is. Tell them, give me your phones. I take my kids' phones when we go to dinner just so I can get their attention. Good God. If they're your friends, they're not going to bust you on social media. Yeah, Paul. I'm going to differ with you. Just because he had a whole lot of food doesn't mean there's a whole lot of people. The other day, we had 38 sausages on the grill for five guys. Now, if you would have walked by our grill and said, man, they're having a big thing over at the uh, Dan Patrick uh, crew, they got 38 sausages on the grill. But that was the entire package that we made. Right, but maybe Dak over-ordered. He over-ordered. Over-ordered? Okay. Everybody got a sushi tray. Everybody got a tray of fries there. He had more than 10 people because that was the report he had maybe up to 30. Now, maybe he had a small part. I could twist it. I'm trying to support the local restaurants, so I put in a big, huge order to support with the takeout because I know these are tough times. And then he's not doing the virtual OTAs. Like To me, it's a bad look for him. You know, be, a, be above the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and say, hey, I'm still your – do this for the fans. I'm still your quarterback. I'm going to do this. I'm not under contract. I'm going to do this because I'm your quarterback. I'm your quarterback of the future here. By the way, I'm having a party this weekend if anybody wants to come over. (laughs) Still got some leftovers. Those 30 people didn't eat everything they should have. That's for sure. A review of the Jordan documentary coming up. 